0: All aboard, I heard my brother say All aboard, like it's some
1: parade That's me
2: Fans to episode six of There She Goes, a weekly Blue Jay podcast for all thing Blue Jays. Uh today we're joined by Blue Jay Center, everything Blue Jays and Blue Jays Nation. Uh, I'll be talking about Kevin Pilar's improved discipline at the plate and his uh improved approach this season.
3: I'll be talking about the, the current Blue Jays rotation without J Happ and Aaron Sanchez.
1: I'll be talking
0: about Roberto Osuna's lessened workload. I'll be talking about which former slash turn blue jay deserves to be on the level of excellence that is currently not there yet. So I w- wanted to start things off with the current Blue Jays rotation. So obviously the rotation is supposed to be one of the
3: best in the American League. You can even debate the league. But it took two blows in days as uh, two J starters are currently on the disabled list. And those people are Aaron Sanchez and Jay Happ. So Sanchez was placed on the DL due to a right middle finger blister. Uh, he underwent a procedure earlier in the week in Kansas City to re- remove part of his fingernail to alleviate the, his blister. It's good news because Sanchez isn't expected to miss a lot of time, which is crucial. And the other starter on the, the disabled list is Jay Happ. And Happ le- le- uh, left Sunday's game in the fifth with le- left elbow soreness, they were calling it first. And after an MRI, he was diagnosed with the left elbow inflammation. It's also good news because he isn't expected to miss a lot of time as well. And it could be, it's always this uh, injury scare when your pitcher goes out with an elbow injury because you can always think of the worst of it, Tommy John. But since they're both going to be okay, the blue but they currently are on the disabled list, the Blue Jays have recalled Matt Latos and Casey Lawrence from AAA Buffalo. And Latos will start tonight uh, against the Angels, and Lawrence will start tomorrow. So we all know, we saw Latos this spring with the team, and obviously he didn't make it. He had a decent spring, you can say mediocre. And he, as he started the year in AAA, he's posted an ERA of one, making two starts. And we're all know we were, we're a little familiar with Casey Lawrence as he was recently with the club and was optioned back down a few days later. He struggled a little bit. Yeah, he struggled in his relief, but he, obviously he'll be in a different role on Sunday. I mean, sorry, uh, Saturday. So my question for you guys is how do you think Latos and Lawrence will do and how confident are you um, with them starting games for the Blue Jays? Uh,
2: just backtracking a bit. Prior to this season, the rotation was projected to be really great. Uh, you have the reigning AL ERA winner in Aaron Sanchez, a uh, 20-game winner in J.A. Happ, a uh, World Baseball Classic MVP in Marcus Stroman, uh, not to mention Francisco Liriano and Marco Estrada, who are both great pitchers. So the the rotation was supposed to be really good. So far this season, that hasn't been exactly true. Uh, The starters have had a team ERA of 3.93, which is 17th in Major League Baseball and uh, 9th in the American League. They've been either great or mediocre, pretty much. They've had a few 5-plus earned runs, starts, uh, which have kind of weighted the ERA towards the higher end and made them look bad, frankly. Uh, But I think we can still expect them to do well. As for uh, Lawrence and Latos, uh, getting the spot starts obviously isn't ideal. Obviously, you would prefer to have J.A. Happ, who again won 20 games, and Aaron Sanchez, who was the A-L-E-R-A leader. Uh, obviously, you'd rather have them starting in place of Latos and Lawrence, but uh, we saw Lawrence do a good job in his his uh, small amount of work against Tampa Bay. Obviously, he gave up the game-winning walk, but he uh, he was able to strike out Evan Longoria. That showed his stuff and how potent he can be against Major League hitters. Um, how that'll play out over uh, a longer amount of time, over a start, that I'm not certain about that. As for Matt Latos, he has Major League experience. Um, he did struggle a bit in spring training, as you mentioned, but he... I expect him to perform well.
1: To be completely honest, I mean, uh... I don't know how Latos and Lawrence will start or how they will play. You know, you you have the questions of Latos uh definitely struggling in the spring <clears throat> and um you know, you, you don't know if he'll he'll come into the uh the start tonight especially uh with maybe jitters or a lot of nervousness and then maybe just not being able to execute his pitches well, uh trying to do too much to impress the team. Um so yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent confident in him, but knowing that him and Lawrence might will make the one start each during the, the uh, tonight and tomorrow, um, and then possibly one or two more starts each. Um, it, that that doesn't overly concern me because uh, obviously Hap and uh, Sanchez's injuries were uh, minor and not well not minor, but they weren't um, crazy uh, things to worry about. So I'm not overly uh or i'm not worried long term uh about this situation but uh, for the time being i mean it's fine uh you know we, we just kind of have to see how things go uh and maybe if latos and lawrence play well they could uh maybe stay in the bullpen or do something like that um but yeah i'm not i mean i don't like like i said i'm not 100% confident in the, in uh latos and lawrence but um you know just just for the short term uh, i think they're perfectly
0: fine uh, just to start Yeah, looking back at the track records, Matt Latos has had an impressive one. He's always been a good MLB pitcher for his career. Unfortunately, he has declined following his departure of the Cincinnati Reds. That was back in 2014 when he played his final season there. In 2015, he played for the Marlins, the Dodgers, and the same Angels that he will face tonight. And in a total of 24 games that season, he started 21 of them and posted a 4.95 ERA. Last season with the White Sox and the Nationals, he pitched in 17 games made a total of 12 starts and posted a 4.89 ERA. The problem with Latos is simply he doesn't have the stuff he once had, and it's showing. Uh, Latos' hits per nine have increased by an average of 1.3 every season since his last season with the Reds. Uh, He's always been a pitcher that I've been a fan of. I was happy when the Blue Jays picked him up because he provides them with depth for a situation like this. I don't think Matt Latos is going to be great in his two tentative starts as a Blue Jay. There could be more... Uh, who knows what the diagnosis is? As of now, it appears there's only be a couple, maybe three. Who knows? But I think he'll be as good as a six starter can possibly be. As Casey, as far as Casey Lawrence goes, uh, I don't know. I don't really know anything about him to be quite honest. We saw him for a couple games in Tampa that did not go too well for him. He walked home the game winning run in relief in his MLB debut and pitched the second game in relief and there was a blowout. He gave up a couple of scrap runs, I believe. Uh, like I said, I don't really know too much about Lawrence. I've never seen him start. He has pitched well in two starts this year with AAA Buffalo. I guess we'll just have to see about him. I'm not uh, really knowing what to expect from him. But uh, I think Blue Jays fans just got to realize that uh, this isn't an ideal situation. No six starter in the MLB is great. Otherwise, they wouldn't be six starters. Nevertheless, sixth and seven starters. This is just a crappy situation that the Blue Jays are in with losing uh, two very great pitchers with Happ and Sanchez, two injuries. Uh, Latos and Lawrence aren't here to get this team from point A to point B. They're just here to limit the injury. They're just here to limit a messy situation due to injuries as much as they can until Hap and Sanchez uh, get back off the injury train. Uh, Luckily for the Blue Jays, it appears it's only going to be short-term. Neither of them expect to start for long-term. Both pitchers should be back uh, sooner than later, Uh, maybe a couple starts each. I think they'll be able to manage.
2: Blue Jays Nation, you've said that Lawrence and Latos making one or two starts doesn't worry you long-term. I agree with that, but this really exemplifies how weak Toronto's rotation is depth-wise. In their past two starts, the Blue Jays have had 11.1 scoreless innings while striking out 13 and walking three, which is great, but behind that starting five or behind that starting three now with two uh, two pitchers on the disabled list, things aren't looking too great. You have Casey Lawrence, a career-long minor leaguer uh, who, who struggled in his first few major league appearances. And Matt Latos, who has been unable to get out at the major league level in the past few years. You have them starting in place of an ERA leader and a 20-game winner. It's not good in any sense of the word it's not it's not mediocre even it's The depth behind the starting five is not great and that that kind of scares me a bit uh especially because last year they didn't have that depth but somehow they managed to have no injuries only two starts from drew hutchinson and that was it outside of the starting five or starting six including r.a dickey and francisco liriano but that can't happen again this season and it won't happen again this season so i'm kind of concerned uh i hope that Sanchez and Hap can recover quickly. You never know with a blister, but uh, in short, I'm concerned.
1: Uh, yeah, and, uh, I I see what you're saying. Um, the only thing for me is if, if Sanchez and Hap's injuries were uh, more serious than they looked to be and they were going to miss possibly, you know, four or five starts each or a month or two uh, of play, I would 100% be concerned. Obviously, uh, the Blue Jays do not have much depth uh, behind uh, their starting five. But and th- this is just a simple opinion. Um, I I just think for the one maybe two starts, I think they'll be okay. Um, but yeah, if the, if this was a if they had more serious injuries to Sanchez and Nap, I would 100% be more concerned. But just just for the two uh, starts that those two will possibly make, I'm, I mean, I, I'm not 100% worried, or I'm not even overly worried to be honest.
2: Yeah, if it's only two starts, then that's fine. That's great. In fact, it's, it's a miracle if this is the only two starts out of the starting five that the Blue Jays need. Uh, but uh, it, we've seen so far this season, that's probably not going to be the case. Uh, I hope it is, but that's life. All right, moving on to Kevin Pillar's improved plate approach and discipline this season. Uh, During spring training, Gideon Turk of baseball prospectus interviewed Pillar, and uh, I'll I'll read this following quote to you. Uh, This is Pillar speaking. When I stayed in the zone and I got my pitch, I hit it well, and if I expanded the zone, I didn't make hard contact. That led me to a lot of soft outs. I'm the individual. I've got to be the one who wants to make the change. So it was me doing some research and reaching out to Brooke Jacoby and meeting with him in the offseason. It's something I am comfortable with and uh, something that I know is right and I know that will take me to the next level of my game. It's never been an issue of me identifying. Uh, It's been an issue of just wanting to swing the bat, not being selective or waiting for a pitch. It was more the issue of swinging at any strike that was thrown up there or any borderline pitch. So pretty much to summarize in this, polar is saying during the offseason he worked on swinging at pitches. He knew he could hit instead of just hit swinging at any strike or any pitch uh, that uh, he thought he could hit, even if it was out of the strike zone. Uh, so Turk of baseball. Prospectus, who wrote this article, he tracked Pilar's plate appearances and his approach during spring training, and he reached the verdict that Pilar was indeed swinging less at pitches outside of the zone, and he was making more contact. He was he was doing better. He was walking more, and it was really great. But the main question here was whether he could carry it into the regular season. And we've seen so far, he has. He didn't strike out until April 13th, and he went more than 30 plate appearances without striking out prior to that. Over the course of the season so far, which is 14 games for him, he's collected 19 hits in 55 at-bats, which is a 345 batting average. He's hitting 462 with two runs four doubles one home run and two rbis in the leadoff spot which he was just moved into by manager john Gibbons. so six games which is uh, albeit a small sample size uh Another interesting aspect of this is his hard contact rate. Uh, initially, he wasn't getting much hard contact to start the season, which was kind of concerning. Uh, but he's hit 35.3% of batted balls that have been deemed hard contact by Fangraphs. Uh, and that's up from 27.2% in 2016. 2016, 24.7% in 2015, 27% in 2014, and 17% in 2013. So, overall, he's drastically improved. He has a 0.5 wins above replacement this season in 57 plate appearances, which is very impressive. Uh, my question for you guys is... Do you think Kevin Plarr can keep this trend up? Do you think he can continue to dominate at the plate and hit well and, and get on base and, and uh, hit for power? Uh, if he did, theoretically, he would be on track for a 2017 war of about 5.92, which I don't expect him to keep it up, to be honest. Uh, he, he doesn't have the track record behind it. I hope he does, but... We've seen in his past few games he's been striking out more, which isn't a good sign, but uh, what do you guys think?
1: Um, Yeah, I, I 100% uh, think that Pillar's uh, off-season work has definitely been paying off, and his approach uh, at the play has definitely looked a lot better, uh, especially in the spring and now into the regular season. Um, obviously his, his batting average uh, of three forty five is uh, definitely... is. Yes, it still can be a sample size because you're still kind of uh, you still haven't even reached 100 at bats yet, but that's that's still you know it's a it's a good number to start uh, uh, your season with. And um, his on base percentage, I believe, is also three point uh, three six eight. Which uh, just uh, for reference, his on base percentage uh, last year was two zero two, and uh, I th- I believe it was three fourteen in 2015. So especially from last year it looks like he's improved a lot uh getting more uh hard contact rather than just swinging at any pitch uh no matter if it's in the strike zone or not um so yeah i think he's looked um a lot better uh this year um and to me i think he's uh turning into more of a diverse player not just a guy that can play outfield uh he's also turning into a guy that can um hit the ball very well as well um Personally, I'd hope to see him uh, continue this uh, throughout the entire season because, obviously, as of right now, the Blue Jays' offense is pretty terrible, so we need all the offense we can get. Um, So, yeah, I hope Pilar can uh, take his game to the next level and uh, become the offensive player that he knows he can be, Uh, and I think a lot of people uh, also believe that he can be. Um, And, yeah, just going to the leadoff spot, Um, I'm comfortable with it. Uh, I'm not – I mean – Last year, obviously, he struggled when he was put in the leadoff spot at the start of the year. But this year, he's looked comfortable in it. Um, So, yeah, I I completely trust him. uh, And I believe that his approach is definitely paying off. And I I hope that he uh, can continue this over the course of a season.
0: Yeah, uh, personally, I have no problem with how Pilar has looked at the start of the 2017 season. But I'm not a big fan of Pilar in the leadoff spot. He's played great since he's been put in that role. In those six games leading off, like you mentioned, 360 is hitting the ball very well with an incredible 462 average. But I look at the player that I've seen and watched every day since 2013, when he made his debut. Kevin Pillar has a career on-base percentage of 305, which is certainly not even close to what you want from your from your catalyst or leadoff hitter. Uh, he sees uh, he sees well under four pitches per plate appearance. The exact number I have is 3.63, and this season in 60 plate appearances, he has one walk. Now, don't get me wrong, I love me some Kevin Pillar, he's having a great year, but I would much rather have a leadoff hitter who gets on base more, sees more pitches, and takes takes walks. If I'm John Gibbons, I'm not doing anything, I'm not removing Pillar out of that role now, uh, because he's just been hitting the ball great, and when you're in a team that struggles to hit early on in the year, I'm not going to make any moves to... They could potentially harm that. But I would consider this to be nothing more than a temporary thing because historically I think Pilar's numbers match up better towards the bottom of the order. I think if he's sitting at the bottom of the order, he'll be a much better player because that's, his game fits well towards that kind of role rather than a leadoff spot. I think until Devin Travis or even Jose Bautista gets it going, I think we'll see him in there. But once they get going, I think John Gibbons should consider moving one of them in the leadoff role and Pilar, the bottom of the lineup because – they're just more suited for that role. Uh, I don't know if you agree, but that's just my take. Yeah, your opinion. <clears throat> sorry, uh, yeah,
3: your opinion is um, different from mine. Blue Jays center, uh, but you did you did state that Devin Travis and Jose Bautista have been cold this uh, so far this season. So I really think, pretty much other than uh, Bautista, well, p- other than Pilar, Bautista and Travis are your two uh, potential leadoff hitters. And it's more likely Travis as he started the year there, but since they're both uh, ice cold right now, as Travis is currently batting 104, you got to keep Pilar up there, and you it may be a temporary move as you said, but right now I just I'm liking the I, I'm really liking um, Kevin Pilar this season, and one thing I'm noticing with him he's swinging a lot earlier in the count, and <clears throat> it's pretty much different from last season, and he's got a he's got a, a way better uh, plate discipline than last season. He's led off games with double singles, and it's, it's helping the Jays get some early base runners, giving them a the chance to score early in games, even though it's been a struggle for them, scoring runs. But I really like him in the leadoff spot right now. There's no one else that could be in the leadoff spot uh, statistically, because Devin Travis has obviously struggled, as I mentioned, batting uh, 104 in 12 games with two RBIs. But um, moving on, yeah. Let's see here. Yeah, moving on. For the time being, I really believe Kevin Pillar needs to stay in the leadoff spot for his sake. Uh, He was expressing how interested he was in the leadoff spot in 2016, um, and I really think keeping him there is, and I think that's where he wants to be, but it may not be the best move, but right now it clearly is. Uh, I really hope Travis, though, going back to Devin Travis, can get out of his slump uh, as soon as possible. I really because he really is a good, he's really, he's a key to the Blue Jays lineup. But I don't know if when Travis starts heating up, it is a question: Do you bring him back to the leadoff spot, or do you put Kevin Pillar uh, still in the leadoff spot? It, it'll be a good debate, and it'll be a good uh, question to ask in our future podcast because it, it also can depend on their uh, their pl- their current play. But yeah, as three sixty Blue Jays news mentioned, Polar is batting close to five hundred in the leadoff spot which is pretty much telling me he's really comfortable there right now. But I don't know who knows if he's going to continue to keep his hot streak. He's obviously been known to have good stretches at points, but also go go cold. Um, And one thing that may affect him is teams adjusting on him, as he's been swinging a lot earlier in the count. And I think if Pilar adjusts as well, I think he should be just fine. But uh, when Devin Travis heats up, it'll be another question for another time. uh, Who should be in the leadoff spot?
0: Don't get me wrong, uh everything blue Jays. I, I agree with you and like uh, as I stated, I think it's the right move for Pilar to be there for the time being. But ultimately I I my ideal lineup has Devin Travis at the top, only because I think he gets on base and statistically for his career he has gotten on base a lot better than Kevin Pilar has and uh naturally they're the same type of player. Uh both don't have don't bring a lot of power to the table, both can hit the ball well. Uh but I think that Travis has that uh extra asset of walking a lot more than Pilar does and seeing more pitches for at bat, I think that fits a leadoff role a lot better than uh Pilar would. But obviously if Pilar is, you know hot, there's no reason to fix it. I'm why why break why fix it when it's not broken? That's a popular saying. But uh I think that Devin Travis is this team's ideal leadoff hitter. Uh who knows? He's been an ice cold lately, it hasn't looked like that, but that's just how I see it a uh, long term play out.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with everything Blue Jays. Uh, You said you didn't want Pilar in the leadoff spot, but right now there isn't much of an alternative. Uh, Pretty much the only other option is Devin Travis, unless you want to throw Jose Bautista up there at some point, but he just struck out four times yesterday, so that's not looking great either. Devin Travis is 5 for forty-eight to start the season. He's ice cold. And how is he going to be a, a, more of a catalyst at the top of the lineup than someone who's hitting, what, 400, 462 in the leadoff spot so far this season? So is looking a lot stronger. And I know you said you're completely open to him batting first, uh, especially right now when he's hot and Devin Travis is cold. Uh, but it, usually one of the traits you look in, uh, for a, uh, a leadoff hitter Is speed, and Kevin Pillar uh, Although the Blue Jays don't have a lot of speed on their team Kevin Pillar has stolen two of the Blue Jays Three ble- bases so far this season I believe, so Even if he doesn't get on on base As much as you would hope uh, or, or walk as much as you would hope He still hits he, he still has speed He can steal bases, I think It's it's a great decision to put him at the top Of the lineup Um now, whether Devin Travis should be hitting as far low as ninth, I don't agree. He should be that low. I think he should be uh, more of a maybe a five or six hitter. Uh, but I I like seeing Pilar at the top of the lineup.
0: Yeah, you make a really good point there. Uh, when it comes talking about speed, I mean, when you look at all the Mets teams that they had about a decade ago with Jose Reyes on them, Jose Reyes was never a player that walked a whole lot. Never. Uh, got on base and saw a lot of pitches, as much as people would have hoped. But he could still he could still steal you forty plus bags a year. That's what made him such a great leadoff hitter. And uh, you make a great point by saying that Pilar is more of a speed threat for the Blue Jays. That's uh, I think that's a good point that I forgot to mention there.
1: And yeah, I think uh, just adding on to what you guys said, this is just a minor thing. Um, I mean, we can't really have many discussions about putting Travis into the leadoff spot. As of right now, I mean, obviously, he's, he's the typical or uh, the ideal leadoff hitter for the Blue Jays uh, in the future. But I think right now, uh, it's more of a just go with whatever works. So if Pilar is, is uh, hitting better than any... Uh, I think you said he was hitting four, like close to 500. Um, 462. In the 462, okay, yeah. So he obviously is hitting a lot better than anybody uh, on the team, especially in the leadoff spot or in the last few games. So I think... Especially right now with uh, the Blue Jays' lack of offense, it's more of a, you know, we'll just see what works. And obviously right now, Pilar in the leadoff spot seems to be uh, what's working. So, yeah, I, I I think obviously long-term, Travis will be more of a t- typical leadoff hitter for the Blue Jays. <clears throat> but uh, as of right now, you just kind of got to go with what works. And if Pilar's... The, um, Hitting uh, hitting a lot better than anybody, than anybody else, you know. You want to have your uh, your top hitters in around the top of your order. So I think Pilar uh, has a little bit of an advantage uh, for the, just the time being.
3: Yeah, I agree. Uh, obviously, I said stated before, it's not really much of a discussion right now. But I do I when Devin Travis heats up, and I do believe he will because there's no way he's going to play like this for the rest of the year. And we're only in April. It's a, it'll be a good topic to save for this podcast in the future because I'm sure. It's going to come back up at some point because you're going to – I really believe Travis is going to go on a hot streak soon. I don't know when, but he will. And, yeah, it's going to – it'll be a good um, topic for our podcast in the near future.
1: All right. um, Moving on to our next topic, which, um, like I said earlier, discussing Roberto Osuna and – So with the Blue Jays uh, obviously struggling now and not having as many opportunities to close out uh, or to win games, I should say, uh, Roberto Osuna has not seen uh, as many opportunities to play this season. Um, And the Blue Jays have had only a few save opportunities with uh, Osuna having one of them and Grilly having the other one. and yeah, so osuna has been off the disabled list since uh, last Tuesday, which uh, I believe has been nine games uh, since then, and he's only made four appear well four appearances. Um, and you know, he just he hasn't found a ton of opportunities uh, to close out games. Most of the times, so he's just been playing for you know, just at least my take is that he's just been playing uh, for the sake of playing. They don't want him to just sit in the bullpen for a long time or long periods of time. Um. So now, this, this, like I said, this isn't anything overly major. This is just something that I've noticed as the season's progressing, and the, which is the Blue Jays' terrible uh, start to the season not uh, allowing Osuna to have as many save opportunities. So my question for you guys is, do you think there's anything in particular that Osuna should do uh, in between appearances uh, in order to stay sharp, whether it's taking extra bullpen sessions or something like that, uh, and possibly... Um, staying in the closer role, but also becoming more of a setup-slash-middle-relief pitcher uh, to get him into games more often, uh, if he's not closing out games, just until the Blue Jays uh, can get things going and uh, allow Osuna to take over as the closer role uh, full-time again.
0: Well, for the obvious reasons, the Blue Jays struggles impact Osuna greatly. As a high-leverage reliever like Osuna, who is a closer, you won't have many opportunities if your team doesn't put you in high-leverage spots. The Blue Jays have played 15 games this this season, and Roberto Suna has only had two save opportunities. I think that definitely has an effect on him. But I also think that he isn't 100% sharp, like you said. Uh, He dealt with a nagging injury during spring training and did not get much work there. He also went away for the World Baseball Classic, so that also limited his some opportunities, and uh, began the season on a disabled list. So I think... The problem is that he didn't get enough work before the season, which definitely wasn't his fault. And when you add that to limited opportunities because of how poorly, poorly the Jays have played, it doesn't allow you to get into a rhythm. Uh, but I don't think that he's really been stale, like you said. Like When you said that they pretty much getting him into games just so he can uh, get into games. Uh, and there's four appearances this year, two save opportunities. One of them was in a tie game, that was yesterday, and the other one... Which was his debut. It was the season debut. It was in a one run game in the ninth inning. No, pardon me, a two run game in the ninth inning. So I think ultimately you're just waiting for Osuna to get into a rhythm. Uh, He has had some high leverage spots so far. Uh, It hasn't gone necessarily well for him uh, early on in the year. But I just think that as soon as Osuna gets into a rhythm, I think we'll see a lot better results. Like I said, not his fault. Uh, He's had limited work due to injuries, World Baseball Classic etc, uh, etc. Et but I have an extreme amount of faith in this young man. I'm not worried about him in the slightest. He's going to get into a rhythm, and he's going to be the phenomenal pitcher again that we saw the last couple seasons. I think uh just needs to get into that rhythm that he didn't really have a chance to get into prior to the season beginning.
2: As with Everyone on this team so far this season uh, We're waiting for everyone To get into a rhythm It seems like no one is Hitting as we expected Or pitching as we expected Maybe Marcus Stroman definitely is He's been absolutely phenomenal uh, With a complete game recently uh, Roberto Osuna We just saw him blow the lead yesterday Uh, He pitched one inning Two hits, one run, one walk And no strikeouts Uh, I don't know How much of an effect his lack of work has had on him in spring training... But historically, he's oscillated between good and bad months. Uh, In 2016, April, he he had a 2.61 ERA in 10 games. May, he had a 0 ERA in 14 games. June, he had a 5.40 ERA. Uh, July, 0 ERA. August, 5 ERA. And September, a 3.3 ERA. So we've seen him throughout his major league career, how limited that may be. Uh, He's oscillating between good and bad months. Months. So I don't know how much this has to do with uh, a workload issue or, or just, um, how, how he, he usually, uh, struggles early on, um, As for his lack of appearances so far, he's pitched 10 games in both 2015 and 2016 Aprils. uh, I would project him to get into a total of about 7 games this April by the time the season wraps up. As you mentioned, uh, Blue Jay Center, it's not enough work. Uh, But uh, I expect him to eventually get into a rhythm... uh, I expect everyone on this team to eventually get into a rhythm, but especially Osuna with his history of being so good.
3: Yeah, this is something that... But this doesn't really concern me regarding Osuna. <clears throat> Even if he doesn't appear in as many games of points, it's obvious the Jays will put him... He's going to get work. The Jays' currently pl- uh, current play is putting Osuna in unfamiliar situations, but it doesn't bother me because Osuna is really, really good, and we all know he's going to get in a, a rhythm, and he's always been good with the Blue Jays uh I just wanted to record more saves because it looks good on stats and the Blue Jays play when they start winning games it's going to be a lot more simple for Osuna coming into the ninth inning and slamming the door but I can't wait until the Blue Jays do that and he gets in a rhythm
0: yep I uh, agree uh with that statement over there uh it appears though uh for the last three weeks we've done this podcast, it's really been centered on negative stuff and about the Blue Jays not playing well. I was hoping we could branch off from that right now and maybe have a little fun and interesting discussion. Uh, this discussion is about uh, all the Blue Jays' current-slash-former players that you think should be on the level of excellence at Rogers Center. Uh, f- for those of you who don't know what that is, it's that little borderline uh, just under the 500 deck, the 5th deck, at the uh, Roger Center, it basically is uh, a monument to describe all the fantastic Blue Jays players over their history and with a name on them. Uh, they have a select few. The most recent one to appear was Carlos Delgado, who appeared there back in 2013. Uh, we're all, basically, we're just all going to chime in on which player we believe, either current or former player, that we think should be there uh, someday. And uh, I'm going to lead it off. Uh, my guy, my pick, is uh, Jimmy Key. Uh, Jimmy Key played 15 MLB seasons, nine of them with the Blue Jays. He was a lefty starter that I think never got the credit he deserved. Uh, He played in a total of 317 games with the Blue Jays and made 250 starts. He went 111, pardon me, 116 and 81 and posted a very impressive 3.42 ERA with the Blue Jays. Uh, For his career, he was a four-time All-Star. Two of those were representing the Blue Jays. And in 1987 he was the Cy Young runner-up only to Boston's Roger Clemens. That season, Key went 17-8 and and posted a league-leading 2.76 ERA with a whip under 1.06. Key had a better ERA and whip than Clemens and also played for a better team. Uh, unfortunately, Clemens won the Cy Young only because he had 20 wins as opposed to Key 17, which is ridiculous, and we saw that recently with another Boston pitcher taking the award based on that horrendous stat. Uh, but that's another story. Key concluded his fantastic Blue Jays career in 1992 with his first of two World Series rings. Key should definitely get, the Hall- get some Hall of Fame consideration. Uh, in my opinion, the reason why Key's not up there is because he always lived in Dave Steve's shadow. He was always their number two starter through their through his time with the Blue Jays. Dave Steve was always their ace. Uh, and unfortunately to say, I don't think Key will ever get to the level of excellence because if he was going to, he probably would have got there by now. Uh, we've seen players uh, play later on into their careers, later than he did, Carlos Delgado, for example, and that are already on the level of excellence. So unfortunately, I don't think he'll ever will get there, although I strongly believe he should. Uh, now, I'm going to ask you guys, which player, current-slash-former player, do you think should be on the level of excellence that isn't there already?
3: Uh, my player of choice is someone that I don't really know how Bujays fans will react to, and that is Edwin Incarnacion. Um, if Edwin would ever go to that level of excellence, though, it wouldn't be for a long time, as he's still in the middle of his career and is within his first year with the Cleveland Indians. And even though he signed with the uh, the Tribe this past winter, he he did a lot of things for the organization and was a, and was an outstanding player, um, and it was pretty much part of the reasons why the Blue Jays were where they were, especially in 2015 and 2016, going back to back years in the ALCS. And obviously, the last milestone he left behind was the walk-off home run in the wild card game, sending the Jays to the ALDS. But Edwin had lots of other, – um, other than that, he had lots of unforgettable moments with the Blue Jays. He played a total of eight seasons with the club. He had a total of two, 239 home runs and 679 RBIs. And things he's accomplished with the Blue Jays is 30-plus home runs for five straight seasons. His Hatcher game against uh, the Tigers in August of 2015 – four straight seasons of 90-plus RBIs, and many more, and a, a few all-star appearances as well. I just think Incarnacion is a great option for the level of excellence, but if he was ever going to be there, many other players would go there first, uh, including Jose Bautista, as he's also done a lot, as I'm pretty sure Blue Jays Nation will branch off on that. But Edwin should definitely be a name um, in the future, but it definitely won't be anytime soon and he's going to have to be retired if the Blue Jays would ever consider putting him on the level of excellence. But I think one day uh, he has the right to be there.
2: To touch on what you said, Blue Jays center on Jimmy Key, uh, Carlos Delgado, who is on the level of excellence, was just beginning his career in 1998 with the Blue Jays, and Jimmy Key was retiring that year. So although it's an, it would be nice to see him uh, play, or, or rather uh, get to the level of excellence it's it's kind of impossible to see him doing so now if I had to pick one player to put on the level of excellence out of all the amazing Blue Jay players I would pick Roy Halladay uh, he, he's he been retired since 2013 so uh, it, it's he's most likely to be put on the level of excellence soon as compared to some other more recent players like we just mentioned Edwin Encarnacion and as we're going to touch on in the future Jose Bautista uh, he Holiday pitched with Toronto for twelve years. Over that time span, he had a three point four three ERA. He pitched three hundred and thirteen games, one hundred and forty eight wins. Uh, he's a potential Hall of Famer, so I don't think it's too far fetched to see him uh, landing on the level of excellence, which the Blue Jays, uh, in the end, I I have no doubt Holiday will get to the level of excellence uh, if. The only reason I can see blocking his way between uh, himself and the level of excellence is if his number is retired by the Blue Jays. Uh, We've seen players who made the Hall of Fame as a Blue Jay. I mean, we only have one, Roberto Alomar. But his number was retired, so if Hall makes the Hall of Fame in the future years when he breaks the ballot, I... if he makes a Hall of Fame, I wouldn't be surprised if the Blue Jays retired his number. Uh, I, I would like it if they did, uh, but I think for certain, in some way or shape or form, he's going to be honored by the Blue Jays, either with a level of excellence or or uh, his number being retired.
1: Alright, uh, for me, uh, like I think it was U360 uh, that said, we're going to talk about Jose Bautista. You are 100% correct. I uh, have no doubt that Jose Bautista, uh, will become a member of the Blue Jays level of excellence. Um, in the, not in the near future, but, uh, definitely in the future. Um, in, in my opinion, he's the greatest Blue Jay that I have ever seen play. Obviously I was not around during the world series days, uh, with all those great players, but in my time, Jose Bautista is definitely the, the best player that I've ever seen, uh, play for the Blue Jays. Um, in his career uh, with the Blue Jays, he's been named to multiple All-Star games. I believe it was six The is the exact number. Uh, he's won multiple Silver Sluggers as a Blue Jay. Um, he's made tremendous defensive plays. Uh, and all in all, this is the more important one t- to me especially. He stayed loyal to Toronto. Um, and Bautista's a guy that before he signed that five-year extension years ago, um, he could have easily left Toronto... Um, for more money and possibly to a better team to win the World Series. Um, But he believed something big could happen with the Blue Jays, and obviously he stayed because he believed in them. Um, And yeah, so he's... Bautista's a guy that's among, you know, the top of Blue Jay leaderboards. Um, He is fifth in all-time home runs for the Blue Jays. um, Or sorry, on base percentage. uh, Second in home runs, fifth in RBIs, and ninth in total games played as a Blue Jay. Um... So yeah, it's clear that he is he's definitely an uh an amazing player. Um and I think and especially Bautista is a guy that, you know, I will be telling my grandkids eventually in the future about, you know, he's a guy that you hes just he's not a name that you're going to easily forget about or even forget about uh simply because of his skill. He, he he's a he's a definite fan favorite in my opinion. Um and you know, I just have no doubts that he will be honored by the Blue Jays by being uh, added to their level of excellence and maybe even potentially, I I don't know how likely this is to happen, but potentially he could be, uh, have number 19 retired by them.
0: I was just thinking uh, for a split second when 360 was talking about retiring Roy Halladay's number, uh, that number was 32. And I'm just thinking about all the awful players that were number 32 over the course of the years. I mean, uh, Eshmel Rogers, <laughs> <Eshel> Rogers <laughs> wore it in 2013. Oh, gosh. Uh, Scott Diamond wore it last year. Uh, Daniel Norris, he wore it in 2015 and ended up getting traded that same year. Uh, oh, and not, not to forget Aaron Laffey. Uh, he was a fan favorite back in 2012 every time he started. Uh, you get drenched in booze every time he came out, which was not too <laughs> far into the game. Uh, Troy Hawkins, he wore it in 2015 as well. Uh, this is a player that I, I like very much. That's a player that. No, it wasn't cursed by the thirty-two, but I think <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're if you're new to the Blue Jays and you're thinking of a number, you might want to stay away from that thirty-two. I think uh, just just as a
1: joke for you guys, I think uh, if you're new to the Blue Jays, maybe consider uh, number twenty-two because I hear the best player to ever play for them were number twenty-two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Connor Green, Connor Green, currently wears number twenty-two. Jimmy <laughs> Key, Jimmy Key,
2: wore number 22. There we go. There we go. To <laughs> Dep- To pose another question, uh, if Bautista fell off a cliff this season, he just struck out four times last night. If this continues, and, oh, God help us, let's hope it doesn't, uh, do you think he should still reach the level of excellence? Uh, And do you think, uh, or how do you think his legend with the Blue Jays will live on?
1: Um personally I think he, even if he does struggle for this season there's still no doubt that he'll be put in the level of excellence um you know this is a guy that you know like I said earlier has won Silver Slugger awards he's been to all-star games he you know he he basically like like Marcus Stroman tweeted a lot, a while ago um he thinks Bautista is Blue Jays baseball you know he When you think of the Blue Jays in the modern era, you think of guys like Bautista, Donaldson, um, mainly Bautista, though, but, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he was clutch for the Blue Jays, Um, you know, I don't think anybody will ever forget about the Game 5 of the 2015 ALDS home run, and then bat flip, you know, that's been immortalized in a lot of ways now, you know, and especially into the wildcard game and into the playoffs for the Blue Jays uh, in their two runs that Bautista's uh, been a part of, he... He definitely was um, a big factor with them. You know, in the wildcard game, his home run was the reason that the game was uh, still tied, uh, which obviously let the Blue Jays uh, win the game in extra innings. But Bautista is a guy that, you know, even if he struggles uh, this season and potentially next season, if the Blue Jays uh, use his option, um, he'll still, you know, it's almost as if, you know, you you can't really change like you obviously you can't change what he did what he's done in the past and I think even if he does struggle um his past will always be remembered
0: yeah I think the, no doubt Bautista gets in uh when you look at all the records about Blue Jays baseball uh all the big hits that Jose Bautista got he's basically like what Marcus Stroman and Blue Jays Nation just tweeted Blue Jays baseball uh when you think of all the uh generation the new generation of Blue Jays fans that are now starting to become fans. Uh, Even like us, we were fans a lot before that. We think of Jose Bautista as sort of that player when you go on the road and uh, when someone on the road asks, uh, so which player on the opposing team should we boo today? 99% of the people are going to say Jose Bautista because he's just that player that gives the Blue Jays kind of their uh, identity, sort of speak of, because of how great of a player he was over the years. Uh, His career appears to be declining, unfortunately. I'm sorry to say this, but... Uh, I think Jose Bautista definitely uh, is going to go down as one of the best Blue Jays in history, uh, especially after the sudden, many big moments he had. The most uh, highlighted moment was the bat flip that he recorded in 2015. Uh, no one's going to forget that. That's going to be a big Blue Jays moment for the rest of their history. Uh, I don't think Jose Bautista can do anything uh, on the field uh, that can change the fact that he's going to be one of the best players in history, and that he should definitely deserve to be up there on the level of excellence. Yeah, no
3: question, uh, Bautista deserves to be on the level of excellence. Um, as 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 much as he's struggling this year, I don't see I don't see him doing it for the whole year. I see him coming back to his original form. I just think right now he's trying to do too much. But Bautista shouldn't be judged on one bad season with the Blue Jays if. He has a bad season. Uh, Obviously, he's had so many uh, unforgettable moments, as uh, Blue Jays Center just mentioned, and he's also a player that fans like to boob just because he's he's been that good with the Blue Jays. Uh, There's no question he's... But yeah, he, he deserves to be on the level of excellence. If this is his last season with the Blue Jays, I don't know. And just to clarify, he has a mutual option, so it'll be up to him and the Blue Jays front office if he returns for another season next year. But Looking on in this season, I don't see Bautista continuing to struggle, and, uh, struggle the way he has. I see him returning to his uh, form from 2015, if not uh, just as good as uh, Blue Jays Center also mentioned. A good point that, unfortunately, he may be declining. But he'll go down as one of the best Blue Jays of all time. And he does he definitely deserves to be up there no matter what.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking about it just now on the spot I think I'm pretty sure I'm fairly certain actually that Jose Bautista is the longest tenured Blue Jay uh Aaron Loop was on the team in 2012 uh so was Jay Hap, but Jay Hap got traded uh a couple of years after then he came back so I'm, I'm not considering that his tenures part so Aaron Loop that was his first year in 2012 I really don't think any other players uh held along that much so I think Bautista is definitely the longest tenured Blue Jay prior to that it was Brett Cecil Uh, He was drafted by them in 2007 uh, and then left, obviously, this offseason to St. Louis. Uh, So, yeah, I think definitely Bautista is the longest-tenured Blue Jays played uh, close to a decade of Blue Jays baseball.
2: Yeah, uh, I disagree with you guys there. I think if Bautista completely drops off the face of the earth this season with his offensive and defensive production i think there's a chance that he doesn't make the level of excellence uh specifically to support this case i'm looking at vernon wells uh he was a blue jay for 11 years or 12 years rather uh he uh, was a three-time all-star three-time gold glove winner uh, uh silver slugger winner in 2003 uh he finished 8th in MVP voting in 2003, 22nd in MVP voting in 2006, which obviously is pretty much nothing. But he fell off the face of the earth in the latter half of his career. Even though he was great for the, for the majority of his time with Toronto, he fell off the face of the earth at the end of his career with uh, the Angels and the Yankees. Uh, just, just look at his last season with the Blue Jays. He had a batting average of two seventy three on base percentage of three thirty one, uh to thirty one home or yeah, thirty one home runs, eighty eight RBIs. He was a good player then. Uh but then in two thousand eleven with the Angels he had instead of thirty one home runs, he had twenty five, he had a two eighteen batting average, uh, and then going back down to two thousand twelve he had significant less playing time. He kept getting injured and he fell off the place face of the earth even though he was only 34 when he retired in after the 2013 season with the Yankees so using this case study I think it's possible that we could see to fall off the face of the earth and not get a chance to be on the Blue Jay level of excellence uh but by all means I do not expect Batista to fall off the face of the earth I expect him to perform well uh and uh, and continue to perform well in the 2017 season, but uh, I think there's a possibility that he doesn't make the level of excellence.
0: I, I agree with you there with the Vernon Wells argument. Uh, Vernon Wells last season with the Blue Jays that was in 2010. That was actually the first season I started watching Blue Jays baseball. Uh, that's the first year I started watching, like as a everyday fan, like every single game 7:07. That's when the TV turns on. Uh, I, I think Vernon Wells is def, was definitely good enough to make the level of excellence. But when I look back. At Vernon Wells' career, Uh, one stat—it's a very simple stat—that I think is very important towards his case: playoff games zero in his career. And I think the big moment—the problem with Vernon Wells was he never ever got that big moment, that bad flip moment, that walk-off home run moment in the big game that Bautista got, and uh, not not walk-off home run, I'm referring to Joe Carter, but that big walk-off. But pardon me, the bat flip moment. Uh, back in 2015 at the ALDS. I think that Vernon Wells was just never played for any relevant Blue Jays teams, and unfortunately that just caused him, like you said, fall off the earth after he left the Blue Jays. Uh, I remember watching in spring training uh, a couple of years ago, he was there, uh, sort of like kind of like a mentorship role for a couple of games, and uh, he was asked, uh, I think he was asked the question uh, if he would have considered now staying in Toronto if he had to make that decision again, and he said he absolutely would have, uh, his career did not go as planned after leaving Toronto. Uh, and uh, another big moment of Vernon Wells that I was thinking of was, I, who remembers his first game back in Toronto uh, when he left uh, with the Angels? He came back, I remember it was like a mid-August game. Home run. Yeah, they were playing the Angels. Uh, yeah, I think it was the home first run. Pitch, first pitch, it was off Brandon Morrow. I remember that game. I was watching with my friend. Uh, it was just a great moment to see, and you got to, round of applause after he came around home plate, but like I said, I think he definitely deserves to be upon the level of excellence, but an important thing that's keeping him off to me is the, this big donut under the playoff games column.
2: I disagree with that partly. Again, I'm disagreeing with all of you guys. Sorry about that. Uh, but, uh, Roy Halladay with the Blue Jays, he didn't have a key uh postseason moment. Obviously, when he went to Philadelphia, he pitched a no-hitter in the postseason and uh blew everyone away, uh which was significant in and of itself. But he didn't really have anything. He didn't play on many significant teams with the Blue Jays in his tenure in Toronto. So I I partially disagree there, although I see where you're coming from.
1: So just adding on to a, adding on to what Blue Jays Center said, um, Jose Bautista obviously has had a lot more playoff games uh, than Vernon Wells has with the Blue Jays. Um, well actually, Vernon Wells has no playoff games with the Blue Jays. But Bautista, you know, he uh, he stepped up at the big stage. He obviously hit the home run in 2015 and then flipped his bat as he round or before he rounded the bases. He you know he just he seems to step up whenever uh, it's needed. So that. Just that in itself, I think, you know, isn't, isn't really enough to just say, okay, you're on the level of excellence because you step up in postseason games, but, you know, any, like, that would be a major thing for me, and just anything else would be kind of just extra, but that's that's just me.
2: Alright, that'll just about do it for today. Thank you to everyone who listened. Uh, An additional note, our intro and outro music today was by the band Arkels. They're a Toronto-based band in the GTA, and they they make great music. The song we used was called Knocking at the Door. Uh, It's a brand new single, don't buy them. You can support them on iTunes and find them on Twitter as well. Uh, Again, we were joined by Blue Jays Center, everything Blue Jays and Blue Jays Nation. I'm Mark from 360 Blue Jays News. You can find my work on Bluebird Banter. Again, thank you to everyone who listened.